on this episode of I'm There For You Baby. Barbara? Yeah, Neil will not let me clean up in the kitchen. This happens in every company, to every person, in every life. But when someone says no to you, that's a whole other story. Squamish sell the same as Sasquatch? Ganita Biscuits is the co-founder and CFO of Torigen Biotechnologies. I think it was flexibility, responsiveness, willing to do whatever other people didn't want to do. It would be better for them to run it into the ground than to own a little less of something. Do you want to be rich or do you want to be king? I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city. Presented by IVN. Listeners, welcome to another edition of I'm There For You Baby, the entrepreneur's guide to the galaxy. I'm Neil Centurion. I'm here with Barbara Bree, my bride, my wife, my co-host and partner. So I'll tell you what's on my mind. The most powerful word uh, currently in America today, actually in the world, used to be, I mean, or, or is currently the word vaccine. But the second most powerful word is the word no. I mean, I'm really fascinated by the power of no. It, it's, it's hard. People have a hard time saying no. And it's enormously powerful as an entrepreneur. So the example I'm going to give you is a, is a woman whose name is Carol Tome, but this woman is the CEO of United Parcel. And she uh, had an article in the Wall Street Journal and it, it wasn't revolutionary. She simply said, I'm telling all my customers that aren't profitable that we're not gonna do business with them anymore. Huh? Like, I, you, if you're not profitable and you're a pain in the ass, we're just gonna say no. It's a powerful idea. It's hard for people. It's hard for hiring. It's hard for picking strategies because everybody wants to be liked. And I'm going to encourage people to, to think about and practice the word no. In, in my particular case, I have a two and a half, three-year-old granddaughter sits on my lap. She's kind of, kind, of, kind of, she's going to try to con me. She says, Daddy, Grandpa, Grandpa, can I borrow $10? And the answer is no. So I'm, I'm doing really well with the word no. <clears throat> Give you a second thing that's on my mind. Money. Now, for those entrepreneurs listening in, normally the model is we're going to give you stock options. We're going to, we're going to tell you you're worth $100. We're going to pay you $80, but we're going to give you stock. And that's supposed to align people in having shared goals and build the company. And what has been proven, a big story both at Stanford and Harvard, is that no, in fact, money is better than stock. So when you think about bonuses, instead of trying to argue that you're going to give another five shares, it turns out that the performance is increased with simple things called, we had a great year, here's a check. And the last thing that's on my mind is bridges. There's a famous movie, The Bridge Over the River Kwai. I encourage you all to uh, read it. It was directed by David Lean. But the big idea about bridges is the following. I'm involved or I was involved in a company. And I got what would you call is I got sent to the bench and I wasn't particularly fond of being sent to the bench. As a matter of fact, I thought the foul was on someone else. I didn't think it was me at all, but you know, the ref said that da, 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 and the coach said, you got to go sit on the bench. And I sat on the bench. Sure enough. Now here's the thing about bridges and, and the other members of the team, they didn't exactly support me. They said, you know, you got to go sit on the bench. Sure enough. This happens in every company to every person in every life. Sure enough. 
uh, three, four, five, six, seven weeks later, they come back and they say, you know, we need to meet, in this case, it was Michael Jordan, <clears throat> the basketball player, okay? Not the famous actor. And, uh, and uh, it turns out that I know a guy who knows a guy who knows Michael Jordan. And they say, well, would you do this for me? And the question I'm gonna ask the audience is, you got sent to the bench, technical foul, you had to sit, you didn't think it was your fault, and everybody comes back and says, can you do me a favor, brother? Are, are you there for me? I'm not going to tell you what my answer was, but I'd be interested to hear what yours is. Barbara? Neil, I love what you said today, uh, particularly about the power of no. Uh, you like saying no, but when someone says no to you, you just view it as a way station to yes. Um, I remember in our first company, uh, the venture capitalist who turned us down three times and each time, uh, you, you know, the company moved forward a little and you went back and finally, uh, you know, Alan Patrickoff and Tom Hirschfeld said yes. And they were very happy that they did. Um, and so I think, you know, no is good sometimes. I think what's important is not having unprofitable customers. Very, very important. Well, a key theme of our show is that today, everyone needs to think like an entrepreneur, whether it's in your own business, a large organization, even government. Uh, our guests, you know, all demonstrate the willingness to ask tough questions, to challenge the status quo, to think in new ways. And we've had great guests like Donna DeBerry, head of the Black San Diego Chamber of Commerce, Fish Taco Entrepreneur, Hector Casanova, and Platform Science CEO, Jack Kennedy. But today we're gonna to talk about uh, women in biotech. Uh, women in the C-suite in the biotech industry are becoming more common. And that's because of pioneering women like Anita Busquets, who started out her career as a nutritionist and then after earning an MBA, became a chief financial officer, a CEO, and an angel investor. Currently, Anita is the co-founder and CFO of a new company, Toragen Biotechnologies, that is working on a new type of cancer treatment, squamous cell carcinoma. And we'll have Anita explain this to us. Anita, welcome to I'm There For You, Baby. So, so wait a minute, Anita, is squamous cell the same as Sasquatch? No, it's squamous. Squamous, okay. I, did, I did mispronounce it. <laughs> So tell us about your early career and how you made the transition from being a nutritionist at a major hospital to becoming an executive in the biotech industry. Sure, Barbara. I have a bachelor's degree in nutritional sciences from Cornell in New York. And I had a lot of science background, a lot of biochemistry. And I decided into nutrition and got an internship at Mass General Hospital in Boston. And after my one year internship, I was hired there. And I became a clinical dietitian working with cancer patients. So that's really the beginning of this whole cancer interest. Um, during that time, I was also part of a research study that was funded by the NIH where we were giving cancer patients before they got surgery intravenous hyperalimentation to see if we could improve their outcomes after surgery. 
And partway, this was during the Reagan years. So wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Hyper, hyper alimentation is like giving them food or is it giving them vodka? Um, it's giving them really high quality nutrition, whether it's through a tube, through an IV, or actually on, you know, on their plate. So expensive vodka. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I remember my mother had cancer of the pancreas in 1983, and sadly she died of it. I remember they gave her hyperalimentation back then, and I'd never heard of it before. Yeah. Well, we were doing that, and we were working under a grant. And during the Reagan years, he really cut back on research funding for the U.S., and we lost our grant principal investigator on the grant moved to the Netherlands. I was already married, so I did not follow to move to, to, the, to the Netherlands. And it was a real shock to a naive person starting their career to all of a sudden just have the money taken away. And I decided to learn more about the financial world. So I decided to get an MBA I got an MBA and came out saying, okay, I still don't know anything about business. And so I went to work for Coopers and Librand, which was one of the big eight accounting firms in Boston. And after getting my CPA there, I was fortunate to get a job uh, with a small entrepreneurial company. And by fortunate, I mean really fortunate. Tell us about the first company that you helped to start. Well, after this particular company, which I moved to and helped grow, I moved to San Diego in 1988. And in networking with some accounting people, I learned about Corvass. I was one of the very first employees that John Crawford and Tom Edgington brought on um, I met them through my networking and I soon was on staff uh, with them and hiring, just doing everything. Um, so, so what skills, what, why were you successful in the startup? I think it was flexibility, responsiveness, willing to do whatever other people didn't want to do. Um, being thoughtful and creative about what I was doing. One of the things that um, came up really early was we decided to do a build out of a 17,000 square foot state of the art lab and nobody wanted to manage the project. So I volunteered to manage the project. So this is great advice, you know, doing something that other people don't want to do in terms of you know making a company successful um, and getting visibility. So it's sort of it's sort of your way of viewing dinner that I cook every night because that's something <laughs> you don't really want to do. And the difference is this: I really like cooking the dinner, but the part I like the best because I'm OCD is cleaning up. Yeah, Neil will not let me clean up in the kitchen. I do the I do the grocery shopping but he will not let me in the kitchen, Anita. He is, I remember, and I know you're a great cook because I remember eating some fantastic <laughs> meals at your house uh, pre-COVID. So, you know, not every company people are involved with works out. Neil and I have had our share of both successes and failures. 
What have you learned from a company that didn't work out? It was about money. Um, I worked with a company that had a great product, but the investors didn't want to take dilution. And so I would find money, but they didn't like the terms and they wouldn't want to be diluted. And so it, it would be better for them to run it into the ground than to own a little less of something. Duh. <laughs> you know, when, I've had that conversation with so many entrepreneurs in yeah, my I, day. I'll tell you, Anita, the, the dreaded D word, this dilution word, haunts young, particularly young entrepreneurs who are, who are both a combination of greedy and stupid. And when they come in my office, I really, I, I, I sort of insist that we're not going to allow that kind of insanity to keep you from being successful. Because which would you rather have? Hard question. Here we go. Would you rather have 29% of Manny's Delicatessen or the cheese shop or 0.0001% of Google? Exactly. I rest my case, Your Honor. Yeah, and the other <laughs> question, the, the question Neil asks entrepreneurs is, do you want to be rich or do you want to be king? And, you know, and this particular company wanted to be king. And we eventually ended up selling the asset. So it wasn't completely a failure. Um, and the asset has been developed in a different way than we would have developed it, but still developed. But they lost their shirt. Interesting. So, you know, you invest in early stage companies right now. Uh, what do you look for? We look for creative technologies or discoveries that have enough data behind them where we think there's a viable product that's going to meet a market need. Right. And you invest your own money in these companies. Yes, I do. Great. Are you part of any of the or organized angel groups in San Diego? Um, about, let's see, I think it was in 2006, we started Key Investments, which was a group of angels. And we put our money together to invest in various companies. And how did Torigen come about? So this was going back to Neil's rant, my not being able to say no. <laughs> um, my husband has a colleague whose husband had started Torigen. And so he had created this corporation, but it had nothing in it. And he had a discovery. He's an immuno, an immunology person and oncology person at the Moors here in town. And so his lab had discovered that this already FDA approved flu drug had activity in head and neck cancer. And so he had filed a provisional patent through UCSD and he had the company set up and he asked if my partner Rick and I would help him start Torigen. And, so and, and, and you couldn't say no. And I didn't say no, exactly. <laughs> so this, is, this is a classic when you take a, a, a company or a drug or a science for A and you repurpose it to do B. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. well known and it's certainly positive indications. 
So Anita, you, you've succeeded as a woman, you know, you've been a pioneering woman executive CEO, angel investor in biotech. What advice would you give to young women coming up today? I would say um, that it's really important to have confidence, to really listen to yourself, believe in your instincts, get advice, surround yourself with really good people because that'll be key down the road. You can't succeed on your own. We're all sort of taught that we can do this all on our own, but we really can't. Every success is a team uh, and there are a lot of people so surrounding yourself with really good people. So who has mentored you along the way? You know, I have a really different view of what a mentor is. I think anybody can be a mentor. Um, sometimes to me, a mentor, I learned something new today. That's in a way a one-time mentorship. There are other times where you have a longer term relationship with somebody that you use as a sounding board and you talk about your ideas and concerns and you get direction. And I've been lucky to have both. And I think it's important for women to see that. Most of my mentors have been men, but even, you know, I view you as a mentor. I have a peer friend, Wendy Johnson. I view her as a mentor because I can call her and say, I have a problem here and she can help direct me in a direction that I'll then try to see what I can I, make of it. I love Wendy Johnson and the small world of life is we went to the same high school, Lower Marion High School outside of Philadelphia, which is actually famous because uh, many years after both of us, uh, Kobe Bryant graduated from Lower Marion. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Wendy and I met in San Diego. Uh, we did not know each other uh, back in Philadelphia. And I think she has a similar background to you. And, uh, was some, doing something in nutrition before she ended up as an executive in biotech. So Anita, um, how can we get more women on corporate boards and more women into venture capital? You know, I think it's training. Um, you started Athena at UC San Diego many, many years ago. And Athena now has a program to train women board members. It's called the Onboard Series. And they have had seven or eight cohorts of, of women graduating from this program that really gives them a fabulous idea on what it's gonna take to be on a board. Mm -hmm. And now with California's SB 826, which was passed and by the end of this year requires companies to have two women on a five member board or three women on a six member board or more, there are gonna be so many positions and, open. And do you think this is a good thing? I think it's a good thing. Um, I've had some discussions with people that think early on it may be a token thing where they're looking only to check several boxes but as we get trained and we pick boards 
that we fit into and that we can contribute to, I think it'll change. Yeah, and, whole... stu and studies have shown when you have diverse voices around the table, uh, the company performance is better. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, they can get me through LinkedIn or they can get me at Torigen, which is A-B-U-S-Q-U-E-T-S at torigenbiotech.com. Great. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? You know, I think being an entrepreneur is difficult, but it's doable and it's fun and it can make a difference. And so just keeping good people around you to help you and motivate you, it can be done. Great. Well, you've had a terrific career and I love that, you know, you're continuing to forge ahead with new, new companies. Uh, we look forward to seeing uh, what happens with Torigen. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Anita. Thank you. I'm Anita Busquets with Torigen, a new biotech company here in San Diego. You're listening to I'm There For You Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. The COVID-19 vaccine was tested on over 70,000 Americans, including a significant number of African Americans. Among them, doctors, bus drivers, first responders, cooks, nurses, moms, dads, teachers, and preachers. The COVID vaccine can protect our community from the virus, especially those with underlying medical conditions. The only question is, will you verify and trust? So Barbara, Anita's terrific, but I want to take a slight exception with the concept of mentor. I don't think a mentor is someone you can periodically or occasionally call. And that might be a, somebody that's a friend or an advisor, but a real mentor is like a, on a regular basis, somebody that is committed to, understands what you're doing and is, and is involved in a, in, a, in a regular way. So I, me, I, I'm in the, when I use the word mentor, I, I don't think it's random. I think it's more structured and I think it's a deeper involvement, but having friends or advisors is fine. But if you want a real mentor, like we had, you know, a, a drinks last night with Bobby, I've been his mentor for 11 years. So I really know him. And so the problems he faces are the kind that I can really understand. I'll give you one more kind of quick one on that. We have a, a, a biotech called Abreos. And the truth is that the CFO, who's the woman, who's the smart scientist, she makes this company great in the last two years. You got to have smart women on your board, on the management team. You can't replace them. You know where I come from. Yeah, well, actually talking about mentoring, uh, Brad, uh, the CEO of Abreos, you've been his mentor. Uh, remember, he took our entrepreneurship class at uh, when we taught at UCSD. He was a, a scientist. Uh, he had an idea for a company. Uh, he kept coming to see you. He didn't take no for an answer because you said no for a long time before you invested in Abreos. And that was a number of years ago. And it was that, actually seven or eight years. But I'll say this to him, his, the real mentor, uh, he tried to fire me a few times. 
I tried to fire him a few times. It turns out we have a company that's gone public. We're actually going to make a couple of dollars. We hung in together. But part of the mentor is like a marriage. It's like he, he's a hard case. And if he were on this call, he'd say, so is Neil. So that kind of <laughs> that kind of grit, that kind of friction in a mentor relationship produces sometimes and if not often positive results. Yeah, but I also think, you know, mentoring, I mean, I, I like what Anita said is you can learn something new every day from someone. And I'm thinking about when I joined uh, Pro Flowers back in 1998 and um, I had another job offer at the time that I didn't take. And I actually reached out to my network of women friends uh, who I knew from Athena to get advice on which job should I take? How much stock should I ask for? And it wasn't like I needed an ongoing mentor relationship, but I needed some good one-time advice. And my network uh, was there for me, uh, there for me, baby. And uh, so uh, this has been a great show, listeners. Uh, we thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for us, uh, please email us at info at I'm there for you, Thank you for listening to I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city, presented by IVN.